0: So yeah, if there's one message for anyone getting started, I would say commit yourself to the sustainability, to the nourishment, to the structure, because I think structure keeps you feminine.
1: December 25th, 2018, it was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, raving fans, money assets and yeah i was still sitting there on the couch pretending that i was watching that christmas movie with my family while i was choking down the poison of anxiety i still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money the kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends the kid that got pregnant at 19 i felt stuck like i was stuck in the sands of time i did all the right things All the things that promised me freedom, and it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was going to be an inside job, and I would do whatever it took to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool-ass version of Alternative School alternative school for the unruly entrepreneur. This is for the innovators, the creators, the world changers, the service minded, and those who want the details on how to create a business that really, truly, finally fucking sets you free. I'm your host, Andrea Crowder, and welcome to the unruly entrepreneur podcast. Let's go to the show. Ashley, I've never met anybody who's as um, masterful at leverage, like leverage of time and resources, connections, assets, like AI. Like I've never met anybody who can just like command energy the way that you command energy.
0: That's (laughs) so nice to hear from you because I feel like your manifestation energy is always creating really beautiful things. And I forget, I think the way that I manifest is like through serendipity. And I think you can create serendipity. You know what I mean? With people totally. with connections. And um, even just last night, I was just telling you, I was at a networking event and I, I don't always love networking. I like having networked, you know? <laughs> um, but I find it so fun because everybody walks in there and you just think to yourself, like, Nobody, there's a lot of people that don't want to be here, but they're here anyway. Mm-hmm. And there were so many men there. And so I created a little female empowerment circle in the corner of the bar. So every <laughs> woman that would walk by, I was like, come join our female collective from the networking event. And I could tell it was such a favor. Like they were like, thank you so much for inviting me into this circle. You know, <laughs> we all had such a good time and so much serendipity was created just in that little circle. And I think that's life and it's just a matter of, looking for it and being available for it, which is, I think what you teach in a lot of ways too.
1: I do, but you even do it so much. I mean, like, you see one teeny little resource, like you find the needle in the haystack and then you make the needle into like, I'm going to say like a weapon of blessings, like instead of weapon of mass destruction, like you just create something so huge out of like the teeniest little resource. And like the way that I've seen you take even some really challenging, I'm going to say like exceptionally challenging business experiences and have mm. turned them into insane blessings that most people would pray for is like so inspiring. Do you want to take yeah. people back to the beginning of your entrepreneurial yeah. story?
0: It's yeah. so fascinating. I, okay. So I guess the shortest I could say from the beginning is I graduated with um, a, a master's in war studies in 2000 and. 10, it was kind of like recession vibes galore. All of my friends who were better students than me, I was a pretty good student, but they were great students and they couldn't get a job. I had no money in my bank account and I just moved to Washington DC. And I told myself, I uh, life is a numbers game and I can't possibly knock on a thousand doors with my knuckles bleeding and not get a result. Like you just can't put that much energy out and not get met in some way. Mm-hmm. So I, because I was so broke, I, um, fed myself free breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day off of networking events in Washington D.C. You can totally do that. You know that in the district. Genius. Um, there's so much. Like those people just want to network and talk. And the my superpower has always been being myself. Um, so I I used to be much more seen as an introvert. I still feel like one, um, even though I act like an extrovert with people who I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, So I would go into these networking events and be like, I'm a new graduate, which is such a benefit to talking to anybody, saying that you're new with something because people have compassion if that's truly the case and authentic for you. Um, So saying like, I'm a new graduate, I'm an introvert, and I'm here. And I would say that all the time at these networking events, and I never judged who I would talk to. Um, And having studied counterterrorism, I was like, I just need to get into the government, which I mean, to be candid, the government is a pretty big pie with many different slices. And I think a lot of people in their career do this, where they're like, I just need to get this thing. And it's like, well, that thing's really big. So get more clear on what slice of it you want to eat, because Mm -hmm. the government's a big place and not every slice is for me. So. I ended up just being willing to talk to anyone because I was just trying to regulate my nervous system, walking into a room of so many professionals and being at the beginning of my career. And I'll never forget, I met this taxi driver who was just like, or not a taxi, like a driver. And he was waiting for whoever was at the networking event to drive him. And I I remember I knew someone at the event and they're like, what are you doing? Just networking with the driver the whole time. And I I think for me it was just healing to talk to someone that felt like a, kin- a kindred spirit, somebody easy for me to talk to. Turns out he was the Clintons' driver, and he totally got me a meeting in the White House. So <laughs> I think what I've learned, and this there's so many different anecdotes like this in my book U Turn, but like what I've learned is that you never know who you're talking to, and everybody is a walking flowchart of opportunity, and you don't need to say that from a manipulative agenda. You can say that from an expansive, inspired awareness that everything is possible and no one is a waste of time. Mm. So that's kind of how my career started. I ended up getting, you know, in uh, six weeks, I I think I met with around 200 people, like every, you know, like every networking event, I'm like, do you want to have coffee? Cause I had nothing else to do. And I was just broke. I mean, the only thing I spent money on was this $300, a month room in this row house that had bed bugs um and we, which like got blessed there's like little bites all over me so i had to get out of there that was motivating you know <laughs> there's other ways to motivate but i guess a bunch of bed bugs on my leg that'll do it that'll do it <laughs> vibe not my vibe but um i spent all my money on coffee for other people i bought people coffee i was the most caffeinated person in that town and <laughs> I ended up getting four job offers and totally changing my life. And I met this woman who helped me leverage all of them. And it was funny because I remember when I came to her, her name was Jane Morris, uh, Jane Mosbacher Morris. And she was a senior at Georgetown and she was Hillary Clinton's counterterrorism advisor. And I would meet her at the state department and she was just like a total woman supporting women. And now she has a company that totally does that. It's um all about helping artisans all around the world in third world countries bring their goods into companies like J.Crew. She will find the woman in the field in India and get her bags at J.Crew. So she has a really cool platform. But back in the day, I came to her like, oh my gosh, I I can't even believe I got these job offers. She's like, great, we're going to leverage all of these against each other and we're going to double whatever you think you're about to get paid. And I went from like a 45K offer. You know what I'm a new graduate in 2010 grad school had loans to a we turned that into, I think it was like a hundred K starting salary as a defense contractor at the Pentagon. And It wasn't the career for me because I'm way too sensitive to be like flying around and watching people blow themselves up, which was literally the next step. And I think, you know, all too well about that, having been married to someone who was in war zones, like it's so traumatic and painful. So I knew that wasn't for me and I just miscalculated myself. And I think all of us have high impact moments in our career that kind of influence what we think we want. And for me, You know, I was living in France in like 2008, studying abroad, and I saw this man hit his wife across the face and scream at her in a language that I didn't know. And for some reason, my brain in that moment was like, I'm going to be a protector. And the highest level of doing that is working for the government. And I made this decision to do it. It's like we all have these different moments that are not always rational, where we just make these choices. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had to get out of counterterrorism. So I started helping people doing what I knew, which was getting job offers and you know networking and that turned into a career coaching business which you know I, people were like you should be a career coach i had no idea what that was i remember thinking you know i googled it and i saw a lot of websites with like purple and rainbows and waterfalls and coaching stuff in like 2009 you know and eventually i started my business anyway and that paved the way for online courses um massive you know a lot of debt that i put into creating my first online course A lot of success, making $5 million in two months on a job hunting course. And then a lot of failure, holding on for too long, thinking I could fix it when it stopped working, taking on too much overhead. I think in a lot of the entrepreneur circles, they say like, you did it once, you could do it again. And I think I held on to that too tight. I think you can do things again and you can create success again and again and again. But sometimes how it looked last time isn't how it's meant to look the next time. And I just held on so tight to what had worked, even though it wasn't going to work anymore. And I put myself right under the ground and I spent four years paying off a half million dollars of debt. And in that time, um, after that, I mean, perceived failure for me, it was just like course correction. I had a sister die. I had a wedding get called off. So I was like broke, lost my relationship, lost my, my sister was the one family member I think really understood me. Um, and I was just a Buddha. I was like the eye of the storm. And weirdly, I started, I got a speaking agent and I went on tour talking about failure and I couldn't believe I was getting paid, you know, 20K for an hour of my, it's not an hour of your time, you know, it's like travel and prep and all that. But it just felt like, wow, I can't believe they're paying me to just talk about this. And I paid off my debt talking about my failure and, whoa. yeah, <laughs> and yeah. got my book deal um, and I was so committed after losing everything to alignment and to myself, that I even refunded um my first publisher that I got my book deal with because I didn't enjoy working with them. They wanted to change my vision as an artist too much and ended up refunding them and taking a risk and getting another book deal with someone else to follow through on my vision. So here I am, you know, years and years later, debt free. And I've been writing TED Talks for people who don't know how to tell their story and working with a booker, booking them on stage. So with her, we wrote 40 of them and and booked 39 on stage last year. And I've been making money off of my podcast. That is like the best time ever. I'm having so much fun with it. I just talk to people and it's like so silly to me that sponsors just pay to be like, You know, and I and I pick really cool sponsors that I love, but it's just so funny that somebody can pop into this really insightful conversation and be like, drink our elixir and use the code (laughs) U-turn. And it's like paying for my whole life. So I've been up, I've been down, and I'm just here to serve anyone who is in it. I get it. And I know that life happens in seasons and it's all part of our process. So it's a very long opener to your question. No, I mean, like I could listen to you tell stories all day. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm just too. like, I'm just gonna sit here, cozy on my couch, listening to you. Same <laughs> with you. Um. Okay. Wait. How old were you when you were like walking around DC, like buying everybody coffee? Yeah. Like, waiting for your opportunity.
0: I was 23. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, like all
1: of this happened so young. Yeah. Like, crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a curse because it's like you get sick. It's a blessing. But I think like there's a lot of beliefs in my belief system of like I peaked young and my success days are over later on because so many big things happen so early. Fascinating. When I got married, I
1: had my son Jackson already, and I was um, literally on my way to our honeymoon suite after our wedding. And I remember thinking the most exciting things in my life that will ever happen to me are now behind me. Wow,
0: that's such so I had a baby an and husband. <laughs> isn't that wild? It's wild. Life is short, but it's long. like people it <sighs> feels short, but there's so much time to like try again, you know, and like try new things and like what is what is success
1: and like what is a peak and like yeah what industry and what? category of life can like, we have those in and like, there's just so much opportunity for reinvention and creativity and like your book, you know, is called U-Turn. So like, yeah. so, so perfect, but okay. So selfishly, mm-hmm. I want to ask you all the pod qu- podcast questions because awesome. you've been using your podcast to basically pay your bills, fund your life and you live a really great life. You're not yeah. like pinching pennies you and yeah. I you know shop at nice places together yeah. like just so you guys know Ashley is like an hour north of me so yeah. we know each other because she moved down from New York and a mutual friend of ours Rachel Luna who's been on the podcast as well um had said you should reach out to my friend Andrea she lives near you and you'll so have grateful she did that thank god oh for
0: god. her thank you our, like,
1: I know thank you Rachel our first friend date we ended up at a burlesque brunch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I forgot. That's amazing. (laughs) Like no detail of our relationship has been, um, less interesting than that. So I feel like that really like set the tone for like how much fun that we have together and how interesting our relationship has been from the start.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, you've been so interesting for me to learn about too, because you, my experience of you, you're very unique and I know, you know, that, um, It's like you make so much impact in your work and you're so committed to yourself in your personal life and you really walk the walk as far as like you do have an energy and a commitment to freedom, Mm. to expansion. I've also noticed about you, one of the things that I've loved, and I don't know if this resonates, I've never said this to you out loud, but is like when I first met you, I felt like, oh, she has so much story to tell. She has so much life she's lived. And I know in your business, that's a portal for you to share. But personally, as your friend, I've had a couple other friends like this over the year. And you're like the gifts that keep giving. You guys are like sweet onions, like (laughs) layer, layer, layer. Like sometimes you'll bring people together and introduce me to people, but you're quiet and you listen. You have Mm -hmm. a lot of feminine energy. You're receptive. And it wasn't until a few hangouts that I was like, oh, she has so much to say. Um, You have so much to share. And um, being around your feminine energy, I think, has been really wonderful for me because it's an energy I like to live in. Um, And I know that an integrated person has all of the energies, um, but I like to reside mostly in business Mm -hmm. in my feminine. And it's fun to see you in that personally too. Well, thank you that
1: there's like not a greater compliment because I worked so hard to move into this phase of my essence and like where I create from, like most people, I think, um, especially most women coming in entrepreneurship. I definitely started like all in my masculine efforts. Yeah. Like I didn't even know the, really the word. I mean, I understood like what people would say with like intuition and gut, but like I was not practiced in using it. Yeah,
0: Well, so. it's also kind of a cost of admission sometimes to anything you want. Like you got to step yeah. in. There are seasons of being the huntress of being the lioness of pursuit mm-hmm. And then there's seasons of calm. And if you're building something that just requires pursuit, then I think asking yourself those deeper questions of like, how do I want to live? And speaking of podcasting, like that's why I love it so much. You know, there's a fun statistic in by 2024, there's going to be 5 million podcasts, but Mm -hmm. only 470,000 of them have released an episode in the past 90 days. And in order to be in the top 5% of listens, you just need 800 downloads a week. Whoa. It's like, there's so much room in the podcast market. I just created a course called Pod Launch Academy, and that's been really fun. Helping people with their vision, helping people launch their show in 30 days. And they always ask me, they're like, how do I make money doing this? And I'm like, look, if you can give yourself permission for the first year or two, Just to be about growth, expansion, service, enjoyment, the long game. Don't build a show that you can't sustain. You know, like I know this girl and she's super cool. And she has these little introductions in her pod or her uh, little interruptions in her podcast where a guest will say something and then fun music will come on and she'll be like, do, 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 do. I, get, I bet you're wondering what that thing is they just said, because I am. And I looked it up and it's this, this, this. And she like adds her own little thoughts and infusions. It's very mystical, but I think she learned that it takes a lot of time to produce a show that does that, or it takes mm-hmm. a lot of money to pay a producer to add those interjections. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she was by definition, setting up something magical that she couldn't sustain and she had to change it eventually. Some yeah. people just give up altogether. So I think like first things first is like, if you want to make money off of your podcast and you don't have a big audience already or a committed engaged audience, whether it's big or small, just starting in that mindset of like, this has to be sustainable, nourishing and fun to me. And Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of book recommendations. People are like, recommend me a book to read and people will be really enthusiastic. But to me, I'm like, I can't read any book that's quote unquote a good book if it's not scratching an itch for me. Like if my heart hurts, I want to read about heartbreak and healing. If I need to make money, I want to read about making money. So I think it's also with your show asking yourself like either what are you an expert in and what do you want to give to people? Or do you want to be the best friend? Because that's a different hosting flavor. Do you want to be the friend that's learning along with your audience? I love that angle because it's a no pressure angle where you can pepper in expertise Um, But you get to bring people on that scratch an itch for you if you want to do an interview format. And I think that is what's so, so powerful.
1: So when I started my podcast, because I wanted something that could be sustainable and from like mostly an energetic perspective, I literally just started recording episodes. I did no edits. I didn't have anybody go through and like take The breaks or likes or anything out at first. Now I have someone who edits, but to get started and especially to make sure that like my business stayed super profitable. That's something that I've been really passionate about Mm -hmm. since my divorce is making sure my margins are like the healthiest that they could possibly be. Yeah. So I just like did no editing. I had an intro that would go on. I you know, put out the episode. And then I just launched the podcast as if it always existed on the internet. There was no big like, Hey, guess what? This is here. I just like started posting episodes and I would tell people when episodes were up, but I would like, I wasn't trying to rank. I wasn't trying to do any of that stuff. And like, what was your, what was like your process of just getting it out there?
0: I love you talking about this so much because number one, I've had probably like, we have around 300 something interviews, but I've done a lot of interviews. I haven't aired because I'm so devoted to my audience. And if I feel like, oh, this, you know, what I've learned is sometimes other podcast hosts don't have content. They're just great hosts, which is great. You know, you have a lot of content and you host, I have a lot of content and I host and it's, it's no, nobody's better than anybody. It's just the deal. And so sometimes I would interview people that I was like, this is going to take surgery to extract the nuggets. Or there was one guest who wanted a lot of edits. They had a little bit of anxiety. My rule is if it's a good friend, I'll go to the moon and pay my producer to do it. Um, But I'm pretty committed to this being easy. And if it's not, it's not happening. So first of all, any guest that's been like, hey, I need a lot of edits. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. We don't do that. Do you want us to not release the episode? And I'm totally at peace with that hour of my time on Zoom being gone. It's okay. The second thing is I started my podcast on the voice memo app of my iPhone if you hold it like an inch and a half from your lips, it doesn't pick up the, like the little, st- 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 you know, <laughs> you're breathing. And I loved that so much because number one, I learned a few lessons. If sometimes when I was on a walk with my dog, I would get inspiration and you you want to respect your listeners. So you don't want really bad audio all the time, but sometimes I would get in and I'd call it a solo episode, S-O-U-L-O. And I would say to them, okay, hey, friends, I'm walking my dog. There's street noises in New York, but I've got to tell you this inspiration. I couldn't wait. And people are so fine with that, if you name it, and it's not your ongoing standard. So I think giving yourself permission to be creative. Also remembering that a podcast could be a one-minute snippet a day. It could be a five-minute lesson per week. Um, There are different structures. You know, You can be doing guest interviews, doing solos, having a dial-in show. Um, This is something I was just talking to about people in our pod launch academy, because I think sometimes we think podcasts and we think of a certain structure. And I just invite anybody to question that. To me, uh, the most important thing is that you're consistent. So there's a backbone to every show. So if you want to do creative things, like you want to do solo episodes, interviews, and variety I would at least have a basic structure that you're like, I can 100% honor this structure. So if that's two episodes a month, I know four episodes a month minimum is like the most successful structure. I also love batching. So, you know, let's say you want to do four episodes a month and you kind of want to do solos too and not just interviews, call your solos a bonus until you can commit to like bonus episode because people don't expect bonuses as part of the consistency. Um. I wouldn't build those into the spine of your show as an official structure unless you can honor it because you build trust with your listeners. I think the second thing is like, my guest interviews are scratching itches for me. And where I'm really different in my show is that I share about my life because I want the value from the guest personally and selfishly, but I also know it's going to be better for the audience if I'm really honest about where I am and I let the expert help me um, because they get the same help. We're all the same. We're all one, right? Like if there's anything the pandemic taught us, it's that we're all one. So I think really taking a look at what structure works for you, what's going to scratch a niche in your own life, what's going to nourish you. Um, and also batching your work. I batch probably three days a month, every couple months, I'm like, these are my recording days and my team knows it. I work with Swell Production House and they're a godsend, like super affordable. And they manage everything from my show notes to booking my guests to giving me the bio and the talking points. And they're way more affordable than a lot of people that are doing this. They even write the newsletter associated with the podcast for me. So there's a lot of leverage in that. And it's been so cool to be able to just tell them, hey, these are the three days every other month that I'm going to be recording. Here's the time slots. Just fill them. Um, I want somebody on addiction. I want somebody that you think is really innovative about um, becoming a freelancer, like anything like that. Researchers. Another belief that I busted was um, thinking that famous people are like who you need for a good show. I realized that actually a lot of the famous guests I've had have been the ones that I need to delete the episode because there's sometimes an ego, not always, of course, but of like, I'm here and that's valuable versus like bringing on researchers that don't even care about Instagram, that they're like professors at universities has been so incredible for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, if there's one message for anyone getting started, I would say, commit yourself to the sustainability, to the nourishment, to the structure. Because I think structure keeps you feminine. If you You can either either have structure in the foreground of your life or the background of your life. If it's in the foreground, it makes you masculine. You're like, I have to follow this. It's a one it's, it's, but if it's in the background, it's like, this is, this is holding me and I get to look at it and use it, but I get to flow and reference this when I need it.
1: Oh, I love that so much. Like letting it be in the background and hold you. When I started, I told my audience, I set the expectation. You yeah. guys, I have no schedule. <laughs> like, yeah. Whenever these come out, they're gonna come out. It's just gonna go based off of my creative flow. And now we launch every single Tuesday because yeah. I was able to like build up a surplus. I love and, that and could start batching, but I didn't. I chose not to do that. And I chose to set the expectation in the beginning that, yeah. that this is what it's going to look like. And like, and it was really successful for us. So um, I let the structure come in to support me versus me yeah. trying to like force it in the beginning. And it worked both ways. So I'm so glad that I didn't wait for that to be, I didn't, I'm so glad that I didn't like make it a big deal to have to have a ton batched before I even started either. Cause like my energy just never works that way. I have to literally like be in motion and then refine it Yeah, and then go from there.
0: I love that you said that because some people are going to feel, feel this like energy in their belly of like, or wherever they feel it <laughs> of like, I got to do this now. And you felt that you were like, I can't have structure because it's blocking me. And you put yeah. it in the background, which is the intention. right? Um, so that you could just create and be in that. I think that the idea of surplus is under the category that we would talk about of sustainability and nourishment. Yeah, um, I love the idea like, okay, if you fill it the, the fire to start the show, you can go your route. That's That's great. I like to just be like, I'm going to create a repertoire before I release because everybody has a different definition of balance. And for me, it's been, I go hard for like six months sometimes. Like I just feel it. I'm like ready to go. I've been in that with the TED Talks, been doing calls with people who want me to write their speeches and book them on the stage. But then I also have had a lot of slowdowns. Like, believe me, I will book like 50 people at it, write a bunch of speeches with my team and then I'll be chilling for another like year. You'll see me. <laughs> and that's what balance means for me. Other people,
1: her, Lady who lunches. season.
0: Yeah, total <laughs> lady who lunches. I'm like a retiree after I work. Um, and that's just balance for me. Um, and I think I've created that structure over time with the podcast, but from a mindset of once you create into kind of the things we're talking about, I think the next thing is to ask yourself the question of like, how do I create the best content possible? How do I be really deeply of service to the people who are listening? And then asking yourself, when does it make sense to monetize and how do you want to go about that? Like for you, it might be promoting your courses And that's the way for other people, it might be sponsors. I think there's a lot of ways to do it. My first sponsor, I didn't get until I had 15,000 downloads a month. And the first three years were all about creating momentum. And um, it was like a superfood brand. And I think they paid me at $15,000 a month. It was like $400 for a mid-roll ad. So there's three types of ads. There's intro, which is less desirable because people get used to hearing your show intro and they tune it out and sponsors see that on their ROI. Mid-roll is the most valuable because obviously it interrupts a conversation and people are in the conversation with you. And then the outro is the least, least valuable because people are checked out by the end like it's human. So they paid 400 450 dollars for a mid-roll ad and they bought a pack of 4 meaning four episodes a month, four ads a month. So it was around like $2,000 a month and so I was making, you know, whatever 25 24k a year off of the podcast. The first year we monetized at 15,000. By the time and here's what got me to double the show cuz there is a tipping point is I came up, you know me, I love collaboration, I love mysticism, I love being serendipitous about people in life. So I started remembering people saying, "Well, if you want to grow your show, be a guest on other people's shows." Here's the thing about that. That works, but it's the slow game. And it's and it and it's it's a long game because you got to be a, a guest on a lot of shows. It's like PR. I don't think PR gets you sales. I've done so much PR, not on purpose. It just has come to me over the years. And I think a lot of PR gets you sales, international PR, today show, whatever but it gets you credibility. It gets people off of the fence about you. And so I think for me getting momentum in your show, it just kind of puts you on the map. And once you get on the map, once you're getting like 15,000 downloads or something like that, you really, or even 5,000, you're moving into the tipping point. And instead of guesting on other people's shows, which I did some of that, I realized I want to do a feed swap instead of saying, Hey, can I come on your show? I want to say, Hey, I want to show everybody that listens to me about you. And instead of talking about you and having you on my show, give me your best episode from your podcast, your absolute favorite. And let me do an introduction about you on my show saying, hey, this is my friend, Andrea Crowder. She's the freaking best. She has unruly entrepreneur. She has programs like regulate. Um, They're going to really help you regulate your nervous system in a different way than you've ever done before. And her show is, I think, one of the best places to do that. Instead of me interviewing her today, here's her, an episode from her show that I love and that she loves. And it's about XYZ, enjoy. And I just let it air that person's episode, which we should totally do this with your show. Mm -hmm. Um, And it forced all 15,000 of my downloads to listen to Andrea. And it was one of the most generous collaborative ways that I've worked in podcasting. And it doubled my show from 15,000 to 30,000 downloads a month in a year. And I only did 10 collaborations. Um, meaning my friend did the same thing for me. They would do the same introduction on their show. And it was so cool because they got growth. I got growth. We all had fun and it was incredible content on our shows. And what I learned when you do that is that you do want to find people that you think have generally a similar size show. There were some shows that surprised me. Um, this, the self-work podcast with Dr. Margaret. She's amazing. She had a way bigger show than me. And she was like, I still want to collaborate with you because I love what you're doing. And that gave me a huge boost. And I felt like, how can I add more value to her? So we emailed our list about her and she didn't care, but I did a bunch of extra stuff anyway, just to support her. So the name of the game is support. The name of the game is collaboration. The name of the game is, um, I would tell myself as I interview people on my show. There's going to be other people who have a show. And the ones that I really vibe with, I'm just going to say, Hey, do you want to collaborate? I've been doing this cool thing. And everybody was yes. So that's just one way to grow your show. And there's so many ways to do it, but I really loved this one.
1: You guys see what I'm talking about? Like leverage. She finds like the least amount of effort you could possibly put into something, but like potent effort. So like there's always like genuine energy fueling all of the actions so I like have to clarify that that is such a crucial ingredient to this but you just find like the shortest path to get there too and I'm just like yeah I'm thinking how many hours does it take to like be interviewed and then interview someone else and like you're right like that is the slow game yeah it takes up so much extra time versus having like a killer hit episode and going and doing episode swaps with people with similar yeah. size audiences and like genius.
0: Yeah. It's I think, you know, growing up, I watched my parents work really hard for their money as a lot of, you know, passive income was like the craziest concept when I heard about it. But yeah. it was a lot of active income, you know, that I saw my parents earning. And I, I think that One thing I've learned about creating a personal brand and eventually I want to create a course on it, but is it allows you when you put in the time and you're grounded about it, meaning you don't need to rush this whole like get rich quick. It's so, so exhausting. What about the slow burn of like, I'm just going to make this a point over my life because by the way, with that small percent, 11% of podcasts having released an episode in the past 90 days, a lot of people give up when they can't sustain, right? So, for me, I've just been building a personal brand over years, and the way I see it, it's like the internet is a bunch of islands. So, one island is like my Forbes column. Um, I've had, you know, writers in my business repurpose so much of my content from courses and from other things I've done, speaking engagements. And turn it into blog posts. And by the time I see the blog post, it's like ninety-five percent done. It just needs my love and my soul to finalize it. Um, So I think the and and I think a lot of people have beliefs about how much it costs to get help. Um, The best graphic designer I've ever gotten. um, I formed a friendship with her. She is in Buenos Aires, I believe. Her rent is two hundred dollars a month, and for a hundred slide deck of like the most beautiful graphic design. She's $70. And I know entrepreneurs spending like $2,000 for like a perfectly graphic design webinar deck Mm -hmm. or their course decks. And I just think when you know there's a simple way and when you decide that's the only way, it's like life gets to be so much more simple. And the thing about all these islands on the internet that you can build a brand on, like for me, my TED Talk going viral and getting into the top 100 has changed my career. It's like, 10,000 people are listening to me on Ted every day. 10,000 people are listening to my show every few days. It's like this mysticism of like, and it, and I'm not special, right? Like, it's not like, oh, I have so many people listening to me. It happened. No, it's been a decade of just like consistent commitment. Mm-hmm. And every single year or two, I'm like, I'm going to commit to this island on the internet. So every couple of years, like the first two years of my business, it was getting Yelp reviews from clients And giving away free sessions to get Yelp reviews about their experience of me. That was my first island. The next island was TED. How do I get a TED talk and and give the best talk of my life? The next island was my Forbes column and other blogs on the internet that I could contribute to. So it's a slow burn, um, but it's a worthwhile burn. So if you're listening right now and you don't have a show, in the next five years, you could build something that pays your basic bills. But you got to be willing to pay the cost of admission. It doesn't have to be painful um you can make it nourishing you can make it sustainable um but i'm not really about the get rich quick i think you can do it i just i don't know it hasn't worked for me
1: i tell everyone i'm not the quick cash coach when people yeah. come into my dms and they'll see like some of the some of the clients that i have and they're like i need to hire you you're on like my dream list of coaches to work with and and I'm like, well, what is it that you would like me to help you with? And they're like, I want to get from here to here in the next 90 days. And I tell them immediately, I'm I'm not your coach. Yeah, I'm not your yeah. coach. Like, I'm yeah. not the I'm not the quick cash coach. I'm the one that's going to make sure that your business is still here in 10 years. Yeah, like if yeah. that's what you're looking for, I got you. But yeah,
0: yeah, I used to spend a half million dollars a month on ads when my thing blew up for the better and then for the worse that I was talking about my courses. Um, yeah. I still have them and people just find them on the internet now because of all my islands that I'm talking about. But, right. and that's been a fun way to make money, right? Like I have a, a lot of courses that are like $67, $297, not very expensive, but, um, you know, maybe my business makes anywhere from like five to 15 K a month off of a bunch of $67 people finding me. I haven't done ads because I don't like the energy it puts me and I don't have fun with it. Um, maybe there's some trauma there of like overdoing it with ads before and feeling like a monkey trying to get a click. Um, (laughs) but I will say that with podcasting, another mindset that has served me is like, if you're trying to get your first thousand listeners, it's like, how can you write an email to everyone you've ever met being like, Hey, I just started a show and it's about this. And here's my first episode and I'm absolutely loving it. And if you want to share it with someone who needs this, this is the perfect person to share it with. I think that a warm letter and letting people know what you're up to is enough as a starter pack, you know, starting to share it on social media. There's AI tools right now that does your Instagram reels for you. And it's like a very cheap tool. Um, I'll find out what it is for you to put it in the show notes. Um,
1: I want to know all of the AIs. I know I can help me save time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of saving time, everybody that I'm working with on podcasting now I've been telling them um, if you don't know what to name your show, look at a few shows that you wish that that was the name you thought of and ask chat gpt just in the message hey you know what are the top performing shows in wellness for women or whatever the focus is that you want to have it's going to give you all the shows think of some words that represent your vibe that you want to give and say here's some words that i really want to um give off in my podcast Can you suggest some titles in the women's wellness space for me? And just keep iterating with it. And you can give it feedback. Okay, I like those titles, but those are too long. Can you give me shorter titles? So there's so much you can do to use ChatGBT as a friend and partner in brainstorming, and it's been incredibly powerful. But when it comes to getting your momentum um, and all the AI tools are so great, another thing is asking yourself... Who has a very large audience of listeners, like very large that, I don't know, I feel like the influencer space, like we're all sensitive, right? Like if we've worked our butts off creating an audience, we don't just want like, you know, Jenny from the block, (laughs) well, maybe, maybe Jenny from the block, but like showing up and being like, Hey, can you just email everybody about my new thing? There's no exchange there. There's no energy exchange. Sometimes I'm inspired and I'm like, screw it. Definitely. I'm going to email. I don't care. But um there's like associations, right? Like there's an association for everything. I'm pr- I bet you there's like an association for armpits. Like I I don't even, so it's like find an association with a big email list and interview the owner, interview the founder and say, hey, I'm really building this show and it's it's relating to their association you know, topic. If you have any inspiration to share this, I would love for it to be in your newsletter. There's no pressure, but it'd be so cool. And a lot of people are like, yeah, no problem. And it's like, okay, what can I do to make this easy on you? And I've um, paid my producer at Swell Production House just to write a newsletter in their voice. And I have grown my show just by like a thousand people or text message opt-ins. I'll be speaking at a speaking engagement and I'll be like, "Um, actually, you know, before I go, I have a podcast episode on this. And if this is interesting for you, just take out your phone and I'll do a full call to action. I have an audience of 4,000 people. And I watch literally a sea of people take out their phone this could be a hundred people. That's a hundred new listeners. That's a stadium for you of people. Mm -hmm. Take out your phone. Everybody does it. And I'm like, all right, just type, um, text a message to one, one, whatever, whatever, text the word podcast, and you'll get this episode. And it takes this whole speech I gave you deeper. And I'll just watch myself get 5,000 new listeners right there. So there's so many ways to ask yourself the question, where's the party at? And how can I add value to the person that's at the head of the party and how can I be real and honest and just be like, this is where I'm at. I'm growing this. I care a lot about it. If you have any inspiration, I would love to take the work off of you and have you share it. It's, it's not pushy. People get, you don't, what is the proverb, the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone, if you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Another thing is I've, I've had, um, podcast, you know, I've hired people for my show to just pitch brands. We created a one-page PDF, like these are our numbers. Um, These are our prices. We'd love to work with you. And they just go on LinkedIn. I've hired some VAs, go on LinkedIn, figure out who runs podcasts for a large list of wellness brands that I've had them come up with and just send them our PDF and let them know we'd love to work with them if they're interested. These are brands we like, right? So I'll have a VA send me a list of a hundred wellness brands that are organic superfoods or things that I really love. I'll pick like 30 of them that I'm like, can you see if they want to send me product and work with us, send them our PDF. And um, we've gotten thousands of dollars in sponsorship through that.
1: And you get all kinds of cool stuff too. Like people will send you on retreats and- Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sign you up for their certification (laughs) programs. Like you really are like a little gypsy who just like goes around collecting like wisdom (laughs) and like universal code.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's so true. It's so true. I'm such a gypsy of life. And I love like, in the best connotation, I know gypsy can sometimes have other ones, but like for me, it's like, I'm just a collector of experiences and I wish that everyone would give themselves, you know, permission to be a little more experimental in their lives. And I don't know, like have that self-worth to say like what I'm doing matters. And again, you don't need to be the guru. You can be the best friend and bring on uh, guests that change your life just as much as everybody else who's listening. Like Mm -hmm. you don't need to be a magical person to do it.
1: So good. Would you say like, What was your first year like in terms of growth when you were really, really diligent? I mean, like you're still really diligent, but like give someone like something to shoot for.
0: Yeah. I love to um, be 15 episodes out with guests. So when I started my show, I scheduled 12 interviews on Zoom and these were people that I just thought had great content. These were not famous people. These were friends, um, family friends who were experts at something and like I said, I like structure to be in the background, not in the foreground. So what that looked like was I would have myself cause I didn't have a podcast producer yet. Number one, I was like, I'm not editing the, the heck out of episodes. I don't have that skill set. I found an editor on Fiverr for $20 an episode. So it doesn't have to be hard. Um, and they put music, you have to make sure your music, uh, legally is okay to use. That's a huge, important thing to know. Not that I'm aware. Um, Royalty free music. I paid somebody on Fiverr to do that, but I just got on Zoom. I had a blue Yeti mic for a hundred bucks plugged in. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, bless Zoom for doing makeup touch-ups now. So you can go into the video setting and put a little makeup on yourself so you don't even have to look cute if you don't want to.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. You can have a fresh
1: chemical peel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we'll we'll just blur that part. And I did the interviews. I would say out of the first 12 I did, I liked like nine or eight of them. And I was like, great. I'm just going to give myself permission. If I knew the people personally, I'd be like, Hey, um, there I don't think there was enough content It's probably my fault. And I learned that asking people before your interview, what are three topics you can't get enough of right now that you really want to talk about? You could talk about to your blue and I'd pick which one I had inspiration with. And I would say, can you give me five speaking points on that? It doesn't have to be long points. I just need like a sentence, five steps, five talking points, five mind shift, five thoughts. That was the structure in the background of the episode. And that created structure for the episode, which guaranteed results for the listener. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes I would do it in a five minute brainstorm before we started recording. If I don't want to put it on the guest to email it to me, I'd say, hey, before we start recording, what are you loving right now? Can you give me like five thoughts? I'm just going to write in the chat box for me to have structure. Okay, let's go. And then sometimes if we were talking about something that needed some research, in my opinion, because I think good podcast guests are not only storytelling and educating, but um, I like research. I like backing facts with inform- um, with facts, backing thoughts with facts. So mm-hmm. sometimes I would literally put my Zoom on mute and Google like um, facts about depression, like data about depression. And I'd be like, okay, I'm looking at some data right now. And here's what I'm seeing. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's going to improve? So I think just injecting, taking that responsibility as a host to not just be sitting back. Um, and I almost never flow with guests. Like I can flow with you because you're a good friend and I know what you have in you. And you know, like, I'm a rare guest, I think. And like, I can flow. I just am spewing. But mm-hmm. a lot of guests, I think they they don't even know, but they benefit too from the structure hmm
1: Wow. You have given so much in such a short period of time. If somebody can't take what you've given in like the last, just even just the last 20 minutes and really, really create some momentum with us. Like, I think my favorite part is that you started with, are you really nourished with us? Yeah. There's so many people that are out there trying to create in order to like achieve an outcome. And I think they're missing so much of the like orgasmic part of entrepreneurship, which is the actual doing. And I think that it's such a shame and that's why people burn out too. And, you know, like my number one thing that I ever, that all I ever want to talk about is like energy. How can you stay excited about what you're doing when there's a dip? Like, how can you maintain your energy? It's like, I, I look at all the most successful people that I know in my just in my small friend group and like those are the people that could, could could sustain the energy, the excitement, the the motivation when things weren't when there was no needle moving.
0: Yeah. So like that's That's the most idea. important, the faith, right? And yeah. and it's like the what does uh, Earl Nightingale say, like OG personal development? I think the quote is success is a continued progression of a worthy ideal. Mm. Um, sometimes you're in the front of the bus. Sometimes you're in the back of the bus, stay on the bus. And my final hack for podcasters is if you have, if you have your podcast in a subcategory, like mental health or career, like career goes under the business category. You want to be in a parent category. So if you look on the top categories on Apple, there's like 10 or 15 of them. You want to be in one of those and you want to be in one of the leader, less competitive ones. So Arguably, I have U-Turn podcast is a self-development show, a mindset show. We, we talk about work, love, life, um, and mindset, and that's the experts we have. Um, we're in the leisure category because it's less competitive. Ooh. We used to be in health, but it was too competitive. And now we consistently rank in the top 100, and we get a ton of organic traffic from that. So you got to care about your category as well. ask? be a big fish in a small pond, and then jump into the ocean later.
1: Mm, okay. Now I got to go look and see what category Yeah, I'm like, I don't even know.
0: Yeah. It really matters. Don't be a subcategory. Be a main one.
1: Joelle, are you listening? <laughs> jo- <laughs> Joelle, uh edits are um, well, she produces the whole show, but, uh, yeah, I'm like, wait, I don't even know what category we're in. I have to go check that. I'm literally just, this whole podcast was like a passion project for me. I'm like, I don't even yeah. care what we do with it. I just want to like talk about certain things that I want to talk about. It's so, so good. I'm just like making it more professional and legitimate as we go.
0: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be, it's like all value, you know,
1: it is all value. And I mean, yeah. of course, like my, my work grows because of it, like my body of work grows. Yeah you know, people yeah. come into my programs from the podcast. Well, and it's
0: feminine. It's the gift that keeps giving. It's not about the day you release the episode. It's every day people are finding it. Apple's a search engine. Spotify is a search engine. It's, it's. I mean, legacy for me sometimes is a thing of ego. Like who, who cares what anybody thinks of me when I'm not here? But I, I know other people really care about that. Um, but I think there's imprint and impact that can make your own life feel more meaningful. And I don't think there's anything selfish about wanting to feel that.
1: What I like though about like podcasting it also, when it comes to, you mentioned that you were looking for like different islands that you wanted to be on and like really commit time to the island. I feel like podcasting versus Instagram, you know, the things can just like fall so deep into the feed and there's so much content creation that's required to stay relevant there. And I think that there's just so much more longevity to a single piece of content on the podcast yeah. app as well as like other platforms so i'm grateful that i got off just the instagram island because i was growing my business exclusively on that for a long time Yeah, how i needed to start is where i had the most interest and appeal but yeah it's up your like, web looking for yeah it's a part of my web and now i'm looking for like longevity and leverage with yeah. podcasts and then then i need to figure out what other islands i want to get on
0: I mean, if you want to get on the blogging island, send all your podcast episodes to a writer and say, like, t- turn each one into four blog posts. It's this way, I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean. And you can find a really good writer for like twenty to thirty dollars an hour on Fiverr, but you do need to sift through them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, okay. like that's
1: my next. That's my next thing. Yeah. 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 I love you. You're so. I love amazing. you so much. Yeah. I'm I want so links cool. for yeah. your your podcast. Um program. Yeah. And then I know that people are probably going to be super curious about your Ted talk offer. Yeah. So we'll link details for that as well for you guys in the show. Yeah. And
0: if anyone hears this episode and they really want to do a Ted talk, like please mention you found it from Andrea. And if you do it in the ne- the first couple weeks of this episode coming out, let me give you $3,000 off and remind me that I said that. Bye. Um, It's just cool to help people who are like, ready to create islands and ready to create feminine energy and ease in their career Yeah, you know
1: okay and also go subscribe to her yeah. podcast U-Turn thank so you. we'll link all of that below
0: yeah it's Y-O-U-Turn two words yep thank you so I much love for you. having me love you back
1: you are the most excellent <laughs>
0: <laughs> as always Andrea dropped the mic I'm Lorelai
1: Taylor COO of The Unruly Entrepreneur if you enjoyed listening, please follow, review, and share with your friends. As always, anything mentioned in the show will be detailed in the show note. And to keep up with everything going on with Andrea, check her out at love underscore Andrea Crowder on Instagram and check her links for some fun surprises too. Thanks for listening. We're so glad you're here.